This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the Know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. Today is Friday, August 5th, 2022. I'm Jason Breifel from Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Today, we're discussing how gaming, simulation, technology are connected to agency recruiting, training, and workforce development needs. And we have a great panel of guests from industry and from the armed services here to talk about uh, these things here today on Fed Talk. Uh, first, let me introduce to the program Staff Sergeant Ian Mills. Ian is the head of Marine Corps Gaming. Welcome to the program, Staff Sergeant Mills, and thank you for your service. Hey, thanks for having me here. Next, we have Oliver Noteware. He's the founder and CEO of Street Smarts VR. Oliver served as an infantry officer in the United States Marine Corps, overseeing platoon and company level operations across multiple overseas deployments. And following that experience, led him to create uh, Street Smarts VR. Uh, welcome to Fed Talk, and thank you for your service, Oliver. Thanks, Jason. Pleasure to be here. Finally, we have Cody Cadell, the Director for Digital Transformation at C Squared Technologies Incorporated. He's the Director of Digital Transformation there and is responsible for the transformation of training and education from traditional formats to e-learning platforms, automating business processes using RPA and bots, integrating digital technology into all areas of business. And I'm really excited to have Cody Oliver and Staff Sergeant Mills here today. Uh, welcome, Cody, to Fed Talk. Thank you, Jason. Excited to be here. Uh, and. Before we dive into our program today, and, and we're going to be talking about how these technologies are being used by agencies and companies for, for recruiting, for staff development, for skills development, uh, and community building. But I want to take a step back and uh, let you each introduce uh, yourselves a little bit more in your organization so that folks can understand um, the perspectives that each of you are bringing to Fed Talk today. And we'll start with you, Staff Sergeant Mills. Uh, tell us about Marine Corps Gaming. How did this start? Uh, is this your day job? Um, and, and are the other military branches uh, playing along too? Hey, so uh, Marine Corps Gaming is a or, unofficial organization that was started out a little bit over a year ago by myself and uh, Captain Michael Majetti, who now works at Call of Duty as the Chief of Staff. Um, I don't do this as my full-time job. I'm a geospatial intelligence analyst at the, during, during the day, and I moonlight Marine Corps Gaming. We're just a community of Marines who share the same passion uh, for gaming and esports. Whether you game casually or you game competitively, what we do is we, we, we provide the platform to bring those Marines who share that passion together under one umbrella. And when, you know, when we get together, we, 
we build resiliency, we work on teamwork, we work, really work on those intangibles that we're just taking that Marine Corps uh, ethos and putting it in a digital realm. So we're just being Marines, not only in real life, but also in that, that same digital realm. Uh, the other services, they also participate in gaming uh, through their own, um, whether it's supported by their, uh, whether it's an officially recognized organization that their service has put together, or whether it's a community-led uh, organization that um, is ran by a service member. Every branch of service is in gaming in some medium. Thanks so much, Staff Sergeant Mills. And we'll, we definitely want to come back and learn more about this community and how it's growing and how folks are finding out about it as we uh, go through the conversation today. Because um, I think that there's there's a lot of interesting parts of your story there. Uh, Oliver, I wanted to bring you in next to, to tell us some more about Street Smarts VR and uh, kind of uh, the applications of, of what you're doing, you know, particularly with agencies today. Yeah, so Street Smarts VR, our, our mission is to improve public safety by increasing the quality of training that's available to our first responders. Um, really, we want to recreate the emotional and the psychological uh, and the physical aspects of real-world training. We just happen to use virtual reality to achieve that effect. Uh, the genesis really was I was stationed in the Pacific back in, in my Marine Corps career, and while that was beautiful and wonderful, we had very limited opportunities to train you know, a, a live fire because we were on a small Pacific island. So sure enough, we got told by our command, hey, use the simulator, use the simulator. Well, lo and behold, the simulator most of the time was broken because the salt air corroded everything. And even though Marines can, can fix or steal or borrow just about anything, we got told by contracting that if we touched the system, it would violate the terms of the warranty. So we had to stand by for four months until a contractor flew out to turn a wrench and fix the thing. So fast forward after I got out of the Marine Corps, I thought, man, what if we could use commercially available technology, Dell, HTC, you know, major manufacturers with great warranties, and we could pair that with world-class immersion. Um, and, yeah, as Seth Sergeant Mills knows, young Marines, young sailors, young federal officers, law enforcement officers, they want, they expect world-class training. That's what they see in video games. So we took it on our shoulders to build that. Uh, at this point, we're in something like 55 DOD installations worldwide, law enforcement at the local state, even campus safety levels uh, across the country. And we're proud to be partnered with FLIOA at the federal level. Thanks so much, Oliver, and really look forward to digging into this some more with, with you, you both and you all on the expectations that people see on what's available out there and how uh, we're really bringing that to bear um, in the government. Uh, last but not least, uh, Cody, uh, your company, C-Squared Technologies, has been uh, at the edge of training and technology for as long as I've been aware of you all. Can you tell us a little bit you know, about the company's perspective in this space? And I'm, I'm really interested in what you're most excited about in your role as the Director of Digital Transformation looking forward. Yeah, thank you, Jason. So yeah, C-Squared, you know, we're a custom training and solutions company. Um, our owner and founder, Dolly Oberoi, is a true practitioner in this space and is constantly looking to us to push the edge of training and where that where that can go. And, and right now we're really focusing on immersive learning technology, whether that's AR, VR, digital twins, metaverse, you know, those are the types of solutions that we're looking to provide our learners with and give them that true experience in their field of choice, whatever that may be. Um, and we look at 
you know, choosing that right technology for that type of training, not only for whatever content we're teaching, but also how does that fit within an organization's culture and, you know, really what their needs are at that time? Um, because we recognize that not every organization is ready to jump right into a metaverse solution or maybe even to a VR, you know, with a headset solution. And so at this time, you know, what we're really excited about is this technology is now becoming more accessible for everybody. It's becoming a lot more mainstream. We're seeing this happen now in our daily lives. And so the push that we used to have to do to get them to accept and adopt this new technology is not there anymore. We're, they're, ask, they're asking for this now. So we're really excited about how we can take this and show them where it can go in the future. That's what we're looking at now. Thanks, Jason. Awesome. Thanks so much, Cody. And I, I wanted to bring bring this back around to, to Staff Sergeant Mills. And, you know, both Oliver and Cody have mentioned kind of uh, people are used to, they're expecting, they, they use this kind of technology, they're doing games in their daily life. Uh, how is that position, Marine Corps Gaming and, and the other uh, gaming groups within the, the, the government to kind of tap into that latent population of, of interest? Well, I would say this first, like the Marine Corps has always been in gaming. Um, we like since the late 90s, we, we've been trying to tap into like how how can we leverage this this, this new medium? to train and improve the, like the quality of Marine, just build a better warfighter. Um, started in the late nineties, we had uh, back at our model simulation office in Quantico, we built the, uh, it's called, it's a, it was a modification of the video game Doom, a very popular franchise. It was, uh, we, we had Marine Doom and it was trying to teach Marines how to, it was teaching new Marines how to get oriented with the base through a video game. So instead of, instead of driving the Marine all over base, we were, Showing them like, hey, this is this is Marine Corps Base Quantico. You take your Marine here to get checked in at this location, this location, that location. It was highly successful, and that was really kind of a step in our toe in. And we we kept evolving from there, and we ended up developing uh, digital solutions to train a Marine Air Ground Task Force, a MAGTAF, uh, through the the digital virtual training environment. And you know that was probably one of the best tools we've used in in recent years because we didn't have. If one part of the MAGCAF wanted to train, we didn't have to require the entire air ground task force to come out and train. They could use those, they can have virtual elements uh, in place while their physical elements are actively working. Um, and now, uh, as of last week, we're working uh, on this, on our newest um, digital training environment called the live virtual constructive training environment. And that's taken commercial off the shelf technology um, some proprietary software and really implementing that into how we train warfighters to be more integrated in, uh, in the future. So like the gaming is there um, and we use it in all different mediums from training to, to recruiting. Um, it, it, there's, there's multiple avenues that the Marine Corps is exploring with gaming. I think that it's uh, it's really hard for an institution like the Marines to really uh, kind of adopt that. Like what we're doing is gaming when it is what, what. So let me take a step back. It's really hard for them to adopt that uh, training and gaming are aligning so well when it's uh, it's it's just something that we just do normally. Um, we call it training, but realistically, that that is a, just a different type of gaming. 
Yeah, I uh, work isn't supposed to be fun, except that it can be, and it can help uh, drive people's performance to to other levels while, while also having some other benefits. Uh, we have to pause here to take our first break. Um, we're going to dive back into this conversation. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Looking for more ways to stay informed on federal news? Every Tuesday, the Fed Manager Newsletter delivers completely free, straightforward news to the federal community. The Fed Manager Newsletter features top news stories affecting the federal workforce, legislative updates impacting pay and benefits, understandable summaries of court decisions written by leading federal employment attorneys, and columns from across the federal community. Subscribe today at FedManager.com. Brought to you by the law firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth, serving the federal community for 40 years. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. I'm here with Oliver, Cody, and Ian discussing gaming, simulation, and technology. And before the break, we were talking about some some breakthroughs that we're starting to see in organizations where uh, leaders are starting to embrace the the role and the the positive benefits that they're seeing uh, coming with with gaming, coming with the use of technology like virtual realities. But they're also trying to reconcile that with, well, games are supposed to be fun and, and work maybe or maybe shouldn't be so fun. Um, but but I think that there's much more serious work going on underneath of that. And uh, and Oliver, I wanted to bring you in on this to, to share, particularly you know, from the law enforcement space, um, some of the applications of where connecting those dots is really showing up. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we believe that there's a fundamental shift happening in how professionals train, uh, whether it's pilots or professional athletes. We know that immersive technology is a new approach, which calls for new providers who are taking a fresh look at how learning design and learning technology can be applied in specific use cases. For us, it's supporting essentially anyone who carries a gun for work, whether that's federal, state, local, um, even air crew, you name it, intelligence community, everybody has a responsibility to be prepared for that moment of crisis. Well, how do you do that? You need to make sure that that training modality is effective. Uh, case in point, Alert, who's the, the national leader in active shooter response and active shooter training and studies, they're based in San Marcos. That's the Alert uh, Advanced Law Enforcement Rapid Response Training Team. They conducted a study that hypothesis was, does training in a virtual environment create as much of a biometric stress response as training in a live fire shoot house? We were proud to be selected to be their, their vendor of choice, supported them as they did that study. They looked at biometric stress markers in blood and saliva. And sure enough, the data validated that virtual reality, if it's done right, is as effective. Um, and to your point, Jason, about, about there being certain leaders in the government, there's a bunch of folks. The team at FLIOA is really innovative and visionary when it comes to improving training for federal law enforcement. And in the DOD, Colonel Brian Fitzpatrick in Air Mobility Command, also an innovator, and has really been driving change in how training is conducted, and the benefits are already starting to accrue to his command. Thanks so much, Oliver. And Cody, I know that you have been involved with a lot of agencies, um, both through the company with DOD, but also more broadly, and, and kind of just curious about your perspective on this same question. Yeah, so, well, not not all of our topics are exciting as people who are carrying guns, um, which, which is a lot of fun. But what we do see is bringing in this type of technology and incorporating this into the gamification elements of the training really does drive this sense of competitiveness among your coworkers and your peers. And when, you, when you're when you in this environment, 
and you're taking your training and you see your scores or you see, I mean, digital badging has been around for a long time uh, in training, but putting it into a virtual environment where you've got the leaderboards and you have all your scores and you're seeing things happen like that um, really pushes the envelope with all of our learners to take that next step. And then we start seeing them, you know, almost a digital taunt in some cases. Hey, I got that one right. You didn't, you know, so there's this whole aspect of pushing yourself against your peers to make you a better learner, a better student, make you a better employee. And so incorporating these gamification elements into this training environment is, is something that we always look at because we, that is just a natural progression for humans is we're always competitive. And so that's what we look at is how can we bring this into this training environment? And, and I think that we look at, you know, we're talking a lot of, of virtual reality, which is, you know, a lot of times we think of virtual reality, putting on your headset, you're at your house, you're at your office and you're doing that, but also being able to bring that virtual reality or augmented reality or whatever that is into the classroom. And then you have that in a, an actual, you know, more of a brick and mortar setting but you're still bringing this new gaming technology, this new types of learning into an actual physical classroom uh, with an instructor. And we're seeing that happen uh, also more and more now, um, not just something that they do on their own time and they do at home or, or whatever. It's incorporated into more of a pure set curriculum over time uh, within these classrooms. And so that's very exciting is, is bringing that in. We just were able to respond to a, an opportunity for what's the classroom of the future look like? You know, what is that going to be? And bringing in this type of technology and bringing in more of the movable walls and all the embedded technology and all of this embedded um, new types of training is really exciting about where this is going in the future for us. Awesome, thanks so much, Cody. And I, I think it is really exciting that we're kind of creating that future on the fly almost by, by putting together some of these different parts. Uh, Staff Sergeant Mills wanted to see if you wanted to respond to anything that Cody or Oliver said. Uh, and if not, I've got, I've got a specific question uh, that triggered in my mind, uh, but, but want yeah. to see if you can add on to any of their, their thoughts first. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, like what Cody was saying about the, the digital batching um, and just keeping things competitive, right? Uh, for us, right, gaming in, in the Marines uh, from an official standpoint is about building a better warfighter, about increasing performance. Um, recently, the Office of Naval Research, our, think of it as our parent company, um, they did a research on how does gaming affect the Marine and Sailor. And those results came back recently that said that the Marines and Sailors that game more have an increased cognitive performance and that and they were better marines and sailors for it so like they're seeing the impact of how a few hours a week playing video games increases the cognitive performance in their marines and sailors so taking using using just that tidbit of research and, and, and you know applying that with some modeling and simulation now you're just talking about building a more resilient warfighter that is just has a has a higher performance capacity and is able to make better decisions, react faster, and just perf perform at a higher level. Um, we we do it with flight simulators. We do it with uh, you know we do it with like our we we've our, we even have like other other type of simulators where we where we have like rollover drills with with helicopters and uh, Humvees. And now you know you even look at professional uh, F1 drivers. They're they are literally using iRacing rigs to train when they're not racing. 
Um, instead of putting all the wear and tear on the vehicle, they're putting the wear and tear on the simulator and they're getting the same exact performance. Um, so like gaming, uh, you know, the ability and training is there. Um, we're already there. We just have to apply it using, you, you know, using partners like, uh, you know, Street Smarts VR and, and C-Square. Those, those, are, those are the companies that are going to get like the DOD to the level it needs to be at where we, where we have the same quality of training as F1 drivers do using gaming and modeling and simulation. Uh, no, I love that so much. And and kind of I have a follow-up based on, on your answer, Staff Sergeant Mills, and um, knowing that Marine Corps gaming is not officially sanctioned, it's not an official part, part of the Marine Corps, but clearly you mentioned that there are professional benefits that we're seeing of, of uh, Marines who are doing this in their free time. Do you see a time and place in the future where there's, you know, sanctioned time or duty time that you're you're gaming because it's seen as training? Uh, are those conversations starting to happen, or is there still a personal side of the fence and a, a work side of the fence? Um, so I see that there is a there's a time and place where we can utilize the the tools that we we like we the Marine Corps purchases for training. So like, yes, I do see a future where, where there are some opportunities for getting into a simulator to train and become a better Marine. Like that, that is already there. We have, well, we use it for our rifle range through the ISMIT where we, where we simulate, uh, how we simulate, uh, getting in a proper position, shooting a rifle, making sure our, our, like our body posture is, is, is correct. Things like that. Um, we, we, I, I did that in my last unit, um, VMU four, we used the, uh, digital training environment to simulate, uh, convoys and we use our drones to, to fly overhead while, while we, uh, cover convoys through digitally. So like we already do that. Um, do I, do I see a future where Marines get, you know, two hours a day to go play, you know, Halo or Call of Duty? No, not ne never, never in this life. I do. I see that in, in, in like ever um, but i do see a future where we have more digital training tools and more simulators and and you know i do see a future where those are more readily available and we're more engaged with our with our, our troops to actually use these tools awesome now that that answer makes a lot of sense but appreciate you uh taking that one for me uh oliver any you know i know that you're you're doing a ton of work with with dod um, anything that you'd add, add, add to that? Yeah. I mean, we, we hope to work with, with agencies uh, and organizations who believe that training can be obviously to a standard, but there's nothing wrong with saying that training can't be fun and engaging and create that dopamine hit and that intensity. And that's the kind of thing that brings officers back to want to train to where training is something that's fun and engaging and it makes them better, right? Because they're professionals as opposed to training being a, uh, we have to go do training again. I mean, we can shift the paradigm and that's fully within our capabilities. Case in point, in our virtual reality active shooter modules, the instructor has the ability to reconfigure that shoot house any number of ways that they want to. So the instructor can make a, a hallway straight or make it a T-shaped hallway. They can choose if they want doorways on the left or right. Do they want good guys or bad guys? Where do they want them in the different rooms? Maybe in, in terms of like the psychological intensity, Maybe the instructor wants to make it a low light. 
environment and turn the fire alarm on so it's really loud in their trainee's ears. Giving all of those tools to the training instructor, empowering them that way, gives them the opportunity to make training that is engaging and realistic. Plus, we add on a pretty comprehensive after action and review, you know, a debrief capability so you can coach and mentor. And we have a learning management piece. So instructors can include their, their medals, PECLs, PPRs, TPC, whatever acronym you, you use for your training objectives. So that it's a holistic training tool that also is really fun and engaging for those young men and women. Uh, thanks, Oliver. Cody, what, anything to add here? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I there we often see there's a, a large gap in training. We go from your standard read this document, read this article, maybe take a web-based training and, and go through that process. And then we move directly into and a lot of times these massive simulators um, where, you know, we're the government spending millions and millions of dollars on these sims. Um, and and those sims are tough to get in. Like you said, they're often broken down. Um, and, and so there's a, a gap of opportunity here in between those two, where I think this level of simulation and training that we're that we're talking about today really fills that that hole very well. Um, and I think within our recent history uh, with COVID and all the things that have happened, we've seen a big push into this type. Um, you know, uh, we uh, we help train A10 pilots, and so one of the things that we did during this process was able to create a VR orientation for A-10 pilots. As you know, that's a single-seater aircraft. <laughs> um, the last thing we want to do is let somebody go up without <laughs> having a lot of uh, training available to them for this aircraft. And so we were recently just, our, our VR curriculum was just approved to be able to put those pilots into the headsets and get familiar, get, you know, get what the feel is of being inside this cockpit. And as the technology improves with our digital twins and we're moving into this direction, we're seeing a lot more of this capability and a lot more opportunities with this within this area. We often call them virtual task trainers, where we're able to put somebody and let them do something that puts them into danger in that area, but so they understand why they don't do that. You know, why we don't move in this direction or, or why we didn't pull this lever. Um, and so we can allow them to play, explore, learn in these environments in a safe environment. You know, we did, um, we were able to do this for inspectors for the Department of Energy for the for the nuclear power plants. You know, you can't go pull a fuel rod um, out of a real plant. So this allows them to do it in a virtual environment to get to see what it's like, look at the flows. And, and it's the same for all different types of equipment, whether it's massive like the power plants or if it's down to a, a boat engine, you know, and we're looking at how to change the fluid out of the bottom unit. Um, all of that can be done in this virtual environment, which allows them to really just take this and expand and grow and practice it whenever and wherever, uh, especially, and I think Oliver will talk a little bit about perishable skills, you know, that's really important. They have this availability anytime, anywhere to recapture that, that knowledge. Wonderful, Cody. Thank you. We have to pause uh, for our second break here. We're going to continue our discussion after a word from our sponsors. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network.
Looking for more ways to stay informed on federal news? Every Tuesday, the Fed Manager Newsletter delivers completely free, straightforward news to the federal community. The Fed Manager Newsletter features top news stories affecting the federal workforce, legislative updates impacting pay and benefits, understandable summaries of court decisions written by leading federal employment attorneys, and columns from across the federal community. Subscribe today at FedManager.com. Brought to you by the law firm of Shaw, Bransford & Roth, serving the federal community for 40 years. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. One team working all three branches. Judicial, legislative, executive. Judicial. SB&R employment attorneys offer specialized legal representation for federal managers. Legislative. Lobbyists in government and public affairs advocating for corporate clients. Executive. Produces two free weekly newsletters, Fed Manager and Fed Agent. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth is your one destination for all three branches of government. Online at shawbransford.com. SB&R. Client-focused. Results-driven. Welcome back. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering the second half of our show with Staff Sergeant Ian Mills from Marine Corps Gaming, Cody Cadell from C Squared Technologies Incorporated, and Oliver Noteware from Street Smarts VR. Uh, before the break, we were talking about how uh, more and more agencies are embracing uh, digital training or virtual training and, and how the pandemic really uh, accelerated. Um, the adoption and the utilization of these technologies. You know, there are just certain jobs that we still have to prepare people to do, but they couldn't go out in the field uh, to do those things. And I think that that's really uh, opened a lot of eyes uh, of folks on the inside of the system to what's possible and and maybe even what we've been missing out on uh, in terms of uh, commercially available um, technology. Uh, And so I just wanted to uh, maybe go back to, to Cody initially, you know, what are you seeing across the board in government coming out of the pandemic in terms of uh, how agencies are thinking about training and professional development? Yeah, so um, during the pandemic, what we saw was it it forced actually a lot of people to really, you know, get outside of that traditional training and learning box. You know, how can we take what we're doing in a classroom environment and really push that? Um, and, and some agencies really jumped on that quick and really began to move that needle um, into that more distributed virtual learning environment. And, and, and those really, they, they really reaped the benefits because their people were able to continue on as if they were sitting next to me, um, you know, in my training class. And in some cases, they were really able to advance that type of training. And, and that's where, you know, when we start looking at development of training, we were able to take, in a lot of cases, what they were currently doing and put that into a VR environment without much of a, of a lift. It wasn't that hard in a lot of cases to get them to do it. It was really just getting them to accept that we can meet those same goals, kind of like what Oliver was saying earlier. You can meet that same level of competency development and that same level of learning objectives in a VR environment that we could in a classroom environment. And so it was really just that we we did some small tests. We got those you know quick wins off the bat and really started to garner that that ground root effort and push and and that's where we really started to see people really stand up and take hold and say this is it this is what we want to do um and now that you know we're on the tail end and we're seeing people come back they're not wanting to come back into the same traditional training environment they have taken a hold and they love what they've been able to do in these you know immersive environments and the ability to i mean let's let's say i'm in a, a, a 
let's go easy. I'm in a history class. Do I really want to read about World War One and in the trench warfare, or can I put on my goggles and experience it? You know, that is what the difference is. And what we're seeing is an excitement. And you heard us talk about that earlier. There's an excitement for learning. I want to go back in there. I want to see that. I want to be there. And I think there's new technology coming out. Not only do you have your VR stuff and your glasses and your AR, then you have olfactory technology. So now we're introducing scent into your training environment. So, I mean, we're adding in these new elements that really provides for a true 100% immersive experience. And then you have your haptic gloves and all of your suits and, and you can really be a part of what you're trying to learn. And I think this is, we're just at the stepping off point of where this is gonna go for us. Awesome, thanks for setting the stage for us, uh, Cody. Uh, Oliver wanted to, to bring you in to share what you're seeing there, and then uh, Staff Sergeant Mills wanted to, to bring you in on this as well. Yeah, so to, to your point, uh, Jason, about the pandemic really accelerating the adoption of immersive technologies, I mean, for, for us, it's really important that training happens at the point of need. You shouldn't have to wait to go to some centralized facility in a few months' time and have contractors and staff. There's a lot of logistical challenges to training that we, that we help overcome. And when we think about the pandemic, and specifically the summer of 2020, you had everything from, in Minneapolis, a clear need for better de-escalation training, force alternatives, officer intervention. And at the same summer, federal agents in Portland were being attacked. So the spectrum of training that officers need to, to be prepared for, everything from high-end uh, riots, active shooters, really kinetic type stuff, down to the verbal jujitsu and de-escalation and force alternatives, that's a huge spectrum. So how do you train officers to be adept at that, that full skill set? We believe that virtual and immersive training can help bridge that gap. And so we've created essentially a tactical metaverse where I can choose an avatar. Jason, you can choose a different avatar. We can train to de-escalate, right? Because we've dropped into a, a, any environment that we want, rural, urban, indoor, outdoor, train tracks, uh, downtown New York, whatever it might be. Or we can train for thinking enemy force on force that type of environment. So again, really enabling training instructors to have realistic training at their fingertips anytime, day or night. They don't need us. They shouldn't need us. Uh, the, the analogy we use oftentimes is if you think about Netflix versus a movie theater, a, a lot of legacy training is kind of like a Netflix, excuse me, it's like a movie theater. There's a screen, you have to reserve time. There's a lot of throughput issues. There's just a lot of kinks to it. With Netflix, like with what we're doing, you can train day or night. We don't send our people on site. You train your own folks to a standard. We are an enabler of that training, so we can all hit training uh, standards and ultimately create a safer community for everyone here in the U.S. No, thanks so much, Oliver, for sharing that. And I think it is interesting, kind of, uh, you're meeting folks where they're at and when they're when they're ready for it. Um, Staff Sergeant Mills kind of wanted to to pull you in on this to see if you had anything to to react to to what Oliver or Cody shared. Or just you know your own observations from from within the Marine Corps coming through the past few years. Yeah, um, I think the the pandemic really did help um, accelerate the adoption of simulate simulator technology. Um, because for me, um, I was uh, last at an I and I unit, and uh, that's an instru inspector instructor unit, so it's, it's part active duty, part reserve. Well, the pandemic caused us to kind of shift how we train the Marines. And we couldn't train everybody at once due to like the early pandemic concerns of uh, just spreading the virus around. 
So what we did, we broke them up into three different groups and we trained them over a three month span. How do we fill the gaps uh, with the personnel that we were missing? We use sim- we use simulators to fill that gap. So we were we were still hitting all of our metrics uh, for training while implementing technology, pretty much gaming technology, and training 100 percent of the Marines. And me, that that was you know that's for me that's year nine in the Marine Corps. That's the first time I've actually used this technology, and I'm like. Well, why don't we do this all the time? Why aren't we using this when we have everybody here so we can do this in the most safe and effective way possible without expending resources that we don't have? So where I see this fitting in is in, in a, you know big picture DOD, it's not a replacement for traditional training. It's just another tool to enhance the training that's already in place. We're not trying to replace tra- training with gaming. We're trying to enhance the quality of you know, soldier, sailor, marine, airman, guardian, with more tools. We're just we're giving them more tools. That's a force multiplier. We're making them more lethal. We're making this nation that much more stronger, that much more better through these tools. Thank you for that. And I have a follow-up for you and, and I think for the others as well. When people go through a training or a course or something that you're doing, did they get a, a badge, a credential, a certificate? You know, how... How did they show that not only they went through this experience, but that they learned something and they know how to apply that information? And I know that sometimes those things are different, different things in the learning uh, uh, um, hierarchy. But, you know, how do people represent their work or or that they've completed some of these activities? And what what does that stamp mean, say, for an agency? or, or for, for a company that you're working with uh, that's looking at these things. And maybe we can start with Staff Sergeant Mills, and, and I'm definitely interested in Oliver and Cody's thoughts on this. Um, so for me, like, uh, Marine Corps is a very unique organization. We're one of the, we're like the only in the DOD that doesn't really give out, you know, badges and, and awards for, you know, just training and doing your job, being ready. When we report readiness, we report readiness monthly to Congress to our defense readiness reports. That's the only time, that's, that, that, that is our badge. Our badge is saying that we are ready to deploy as a unit. Um, in the Marine Corps, like the only badge we get is the Eagle Globe and Anchor. And Oliver can tell you the same thing. Like that, that's our badge. And, you know, like the, we, we show that we're ready through being ready, reporting to Congress that we're ready to deploy. Um, but is, is, there, is there a future where I see like us kind of gamifying the readiness of, like the, the the troops, probably not. Um, but I do see that there is a possibility that you know, like the DoD as a whole can host a platform where you can show, like, hey, these troops went through these trainings, and you know, this this is the results of them. So it, it, it's a it's it's a very cultural difference across the different services, and I can see other services adopting adopting that type of. Uh, award system or just recognition um, where I can see, whereas I see other services not adopting them at all, but there is a potential there. Fascinating. Um, Yeah, I guess we'll, I guess we'll have to see how that shakes out um, over time. Cody, what are your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, Jason. So we are seeing um, a lot of our non-DOD on the federal civilian side. You know, we are tracking a lot of the training through their the agency's you know LMS, their learning management system. Um, you know, putting that completion in there. Sometimes we do issue certificates depending on what type of a of a learning element it is that we're working on. You've heard us talk about badging, uh, digital badging. Um, we see that a lot. You know, you can take those badges, you can apply it to your LinkedIn profiles. You know that you've completed this series of trainings. There's there's a lot of different ways that we can look at uh, doing that, as well as um, you know we're now doing evaluation in VR. So you're going to take your test in VR. Can you actually? And, and, in, and in a VR situation, it allows us not to do just a, a knowledge based exam. We can actually do a practical exam. Can you apply what you learned in this course? Because we can actually have you do that in that in that in virtual environment. Um, and so we're seeing a lot more, especially if maybe it's a recertification of a skill, um, we can do that in a, in a VR setting and still give them that same hands-on feel um, in that environment and they can get their certificates that way. So we're, we are seeing a lot of people looking at tracking that and taking their training through the, the learning management system. Awesome. Thanks so much, Cody. And Oliver, just curious what you're seeing out there. We enable instructors to evaluate their officers based on their own agency or their unit standards. Uh, and, and there's two big reasons for this. One is the nature of use of force and tactical training is very subjective. And two, agencies have different standards. So to the, to the subjectivity of it, if, if I'm at a bar and somebody wants to fight me, I'm going to interpret them as a threat potentially. Um, but Cody, for example, if he knows uh, Kung Fu or if Staff Sergeant Mills is a McMath black belt, they might not perceive that guy as a threat and they might handle it very differently. So to evaluate an officer's response to a given situation, you really need to know who they are, what are their capabilities, what are their strengths and weaknesses, and what's their perception of a threat. And at the same time, agencies just have different standards. The way that police in, uh, I don't know, San Francisco react to a situation may be very, very different than how federal officers uh, in health and human services would react. Uh, and that's not a function of them being better or worse officers. They're just following different standards. So to the greatest extent possible, we want to enable training instructors to evaluate their people to a standard at their own level. Got it. That's really helpful. And I guess that that's a uh, another part of the the wrinkle here is uh, training the trainer or working with various trainers out there and uh, getting them up to speed on these technologies uh, if they are not aware of them. Um, and maybe we'll talk about that briefly in our in our last segment uh, before we close out the program. We've got to take a pause here before we take our uh, uh, go into our final session. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Looking for more ways to stay informed on federal news? Every Tuesday, the Fed Manager Newsletter delivers completely free, straightforward news to the federal community. The Fed Manager Newsletter features top news stories affecting the federal workforce, legislative updates impacting pay and benefits, understandable summaries of court decisions written by leading federal employment attorneys, and columns from across the federal community. Subscribe today at FedManager.com. Brought to you by the law firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth, serving the federal community for 40 years. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering the last segment of our show, so let's dive right in. Uh, right before the break, we were talking about how uh, with more uh, 
technology involved in training, how it's changing training itself. And, and I wanted to, to briefly uh, have our guests share kind of how working with chief learning officers and, and others who are on that training side of the business, how have they been helping educate that, their, their colleagues on what's possible with simulation, with gaming, with some of these new technologies, um, and, and maybe helping ex open up their eyes a little bit. Uh, and maybe Cody, we'll, we'll start with you on this one. Yeah, sure, Jason. Um, and I think that's what you just brought up is kind of where, you know, we work the most is educating our, our CLOs, our, our senior leadership um, at all the different agencies, because all of our new people coming in, they're digital natives. This is what they grew up doing. This is what they expect. Um, they grew up, you know, with the Xbox controller, the PS controller, whatever it is in their hand. Um, and so what we are experiencing is we need to educate and inform our senior leaders at the different agencies about what's capable, what can we do? And, and a lot of times um, we, when we start this process, they say they see big dollar signs. And so we have to be able to alleviate their fears, not only in their finances, but we can still meet all of your agency's unique needs and requirements in this training by bringing in this new technology and that's going to also excite and we can help build, um, you know, we can build in stuff for bringing people into the agency, whether that's recruitment um, and having them be a part of this training and experience and explore um, or even some more of the higher end technical training that we've looked at before. So I think that the training of the trainer is almost more important at this point right now um, than actually in, you know, delivering some of the training. That's a that's where we find our time spent wisely. Thanks so much, Cody and Oliver. You know, you mentioned that you're doing this across the board, and that you know the the different standards by necessity uh, drive different focus. But curious uh, how you're seeing this play out, and then definitely want to um, bring Staff Sergeant Mills in on this. Sure. So at Street Smarts VR, we work with training instructors in in, in two key ways. The first is we onboard them and get them set up for success. We run a train the trainer. Uh, our standard is if you know how to use Spotify, if you know how to use Netflix or Disney Plus, you're qualified to use our software. The software has to be easy. You should not need a PhD to know how to use it. So it's imperative to us that the software is easy to use. And on the hardware side, we even color code everything, right? Goes to red, green, goes to green. Now that's probably overkill because it's really an HDMI cable and a power cord. I mean, it's really simple. Uh, to Cody's point about digital natives, most people can set the system up within five, 10 minutes, but we want to make sure that we are supporting training instructors because a lot of times they're at the edge. Uh, and the second big way that we support training instructors is that we listen to them so that we can further support them. Um, we push out multiple software and content updates every year because as we know, the threat landscape is changing all the time. The technology landscape is changing all the time. So it, it, it's almost a moral imperative that we keep up with that. Case in point, we have a, a U.S. military customer in the Emirates. Recently, they were attacked by a small drone from a neighboring country. That was a very big problem. And so we got a phone call that said, hey, can you guys integrate to your system a handheld tactical counter drone training capability? Because right now, to train for that skill set, these operators have to get airspace. They have to buy a bunch of drones if they're going to crash. They have to get safety vehicles. In all the logistics that go into trying to train, we can do that all virtually. So within six months, 
we created that capability actually in August of this year, we are releasing that to all of our customers. So yes, we train training instructors. We also listen to them because they are the ground truth of what needs to happen. At, at the end of the day, our, our job is to support the operators. Um, and sometimes higher level command is great for that. And sometimes higher level command misses a few things. So we want to keep our ear to the ground at all times. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. It's great to hear that you can take in that request and feel the capability, you know, so, so rapidly. Um, it's also just an incredible uh, aspect of technology um, that I know the government is really keen to, to be able to, to access. Uh, Staff Sergeant Mills, really curious, you know, here, and you, you, you shared an, an example earlier of how you already are working with, with your training folks and, and see more potential uh, there. Yeah, and, and it, it really comes down to it, it's really an entire organizational effort to make this happen from our guys that are from the new guys we're bringing in through recruiting from Marine Corps Recruiting Command. You even see the shifts in the, in the, the age groups we're going after. We're going after the Gen Z guys to bring them in because they have the talent, they have the skills already. They've been they've grown up in this era of uh, gaming and technology. Then you look at our, our technology development side of the house through Marine Corps Systems Command, they're developing new training tools using the same type of gaming technology uh, so we can build a better warfighter. And then now it's getting pushed to the Fleet Marine Force where like these guys are in different types of simulators. Like we're, we're at the stage where we have a simulator for almost every type of equipment that you can use, uh, whether it's a, a jet, a truck, um, a helicopter, uh, uh, amphibious landing craft, like we have simulators and we have training tools that have been gamified. We're just getting to the point where we're integrating these technologies and making it so that our mission can be done through a simulator. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't even say done. I would say that our mission can be, can be, real, can be realized and trained to a standard through a simulator. No, I really appreciate you all kind of addressing that question. And, you know, one of the things that's that's interesting to me as, you know, as someone who certainly gamed a lot earlier in my life and, and appreciated kind of the shared sense of experience and community that beating a dungeon with your friends, for example, you know, can give you unlike nothing else. Um, Curious on how kind of this gaming culture or, or, or making training fun, or maybe both, has been a, a tool to, to build community. Um, and I know, uh, Staff Sergeant Mills, that through Marine Corps Gaming, it sounds like you guys have some online communities. I'd, I'd be curious if you could tell us a little bit about that and, and how that plays into some of the broader culture efforts uh, at the Marine Corps and, and within the services. Yeah, it, it's, it's really helped a lot um, for the Marines and that are part of the community to just come come together and really just have a good time through their favorite medium of choice. You know, everybody has their hobbies. Gaming was, was the, you know, it's the hobby of Marine Corps gaming. Like, we got, we, we get together, we have community nights. Uh, you know, we talk about work sometimes, we talk about life. Um, it's really a, a resiliency tool um, that builds a, a stronger Marine Corps be, because like these guys, you know, at the end of the day, they might have a stressful work day or if they, you know, some of the guys are deployed or still playing with us through, through a, you know, through our Discord channel and just sitting around talking and kind of getting into de-stress, relax and, and be human. 
Um, it, it's one of the few places where where Marine can be himself or herself through through the community aspect and uh, through the Marine Corps gaming. We support every Marine that's a part of that server. Um, it's open to active duty and reserve Marines. So, like, even if you you know, if, even if you're a Marine, two days out of the month, you can still be a part of the Marine Corps gaming community and 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 be connected to Marines twenty four seven. Um, I think that's one great aspect about gaming in general. It unites people, it brings people together, and allows people to have fun. Um, and you see, we even see that in the simulators. You know, like we go, I go to the Ismit. I'm trying to outshoot the person that's sitting right next to me, and we'll have a competition. You know, do yeah. You know, I, I wish I would get like you know some kind of leaderboard after that, so I can know who 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 shot the best. But you know, we kind of keep track of our own score, make sure our groupings are there. But like. That's just part of the gaming culture. It's like you you get better through competition, but you also build a stronger, more resilient community by playing with other folks. No, I love that. Um, and Cody Oliver, I'm just curious, you know, through the work that you do, folks who go through, you know, the the simulations and the training experiences that you're putting together, do you do you see something similar? Does does running people through that common experience provide that common bond? 100%. A number of our, of our customers use our training solution for both recruiting uh, young officers, because maybe some folks think that that's a good idea for them, but they, they go through this and they realize, you know what, it's not the right choice. And maybe some people didn't think it, it was for them, but it really is. I mean, as we know, law enforcement is having a, a tough, tough time recruiting right now. The other way that our, our solution gets used uh, pretty commonly is, is community engagement. Because like we talked about earlier, perception of a threat, uh, empathy, really understanding what it was like to be in that moment of crisis is really important if you're going to have empathy for someone else. So a lot of law enforcement organizations using our product, they go to community events and they allow uh, the citizens of that community, politicians, other folks to jump in the headset and to experience sort of a day in the life of law enforcement. And you know, we're not privy to those conversations. We just know that it's a great way to build empathy uh, from the first responders to the community members and everybody in between. And, and so we're very proud to be able to support and foster that. Awesome. Thanks so much, Oliver and Cody. Yeah, I mean, we really see this opening up the aperture because whether you're in New York or California, it doesn't matter. You're all in one place when you're in this environment. And so it's really, um, whereas before training, you were with a certain group in a certain location at a certain time, now we're really able to connect across these broad spectrums and expand your thoughts, expand your opportunities to make um, these connections with other people within your industry and other people within your, you know, your purview. And I think, you know, I am um, the last couple of conferences I've been to that were DOD conferences. And this is going to I'm going to go back to Sergeant Mills here for a second. But, you know, these gaming the EA sports guys came in and from some of your other sister, you know, the DOD groups and the amount of excitement and energy and um that was happening when these guys were there on the floor i mean they they were doing tournaments there on the show floor and and you had generals sitting there with airmen and they were all equal and they were all blasting each other away and and just the crowd that gathered the the community that gathered around them to watch them and cheer them on was amazing to watch, you know, it really creates this draw, this, this excitement around what's happening. And I think that, you know, what you guys are doing now within your DOD gaming is amazing because I think that's really going to bring the next level 
and I'm excited to see how that happens. So, as am I. Uh, thank you, Cody. Uh, Cody uh, Codell from uh, C Squared Technologies, uh, Director of Digital Transformation. Thank you for being with us uh, here today. Uh, Oliver Noteware from Street Smarts VR. Uh, thank you for spending your time with us and uh, Staff Sergeant Ian Mills from Marine Corps Gaming. Uh, this was an awesome conversation. Uh, I'm so encouraged that there are folks like each of you out there um, bringing this technology to the field, uh, helping train folks up. And uh, I love that we ended on the uh, energy and excitement that we're seeing out there uh, when we're bringing these things together. Um, this was the kind of discussion that we wanted to have when we brought this program together here on Fed Talk. Uh, thank you all for being with us. Fed Talk is brought to you by the Federal Employment Law Firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Have a great rest of the day.